Are you a hairdresser or barber? Do you want to take your career to the next level but unsure how? Then this is the podcast for you. Hello and welcome to The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. I'm your host, Crystal Wilson. I've worked in the hair and beauty industry for the last 10 years, working my way up through some of the largest salons from each corner of the globe. Throughout my career, I've always been infatuated with the industry influencers, the people who have been able to make a name for themselves and have a flourishing career as a hairstylist. On this podcast, I'll be sitting down and talking to hair and beauty professionals who have taken their career to the next level. The ones who have gone from working behind the chair to exploring another avenue within the industry. From the platform artists, educators, business owners, TV and celebrity stylists, published, self-employed, brand-sponsored, and more, I'm sitting down and asking them how they've done it. I know these accolades can seem unattainable, so I'm making it my mission to break down the barriers, stereotypes, and simplify the process to make the dreams that you have more attainable. Join me every week on The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. Hello again, everybody. I am feeling a little bit, I don't know, overwhelmed, maybe the feeling would be. I always record these intros after I record the episode with the guests. So we both sign off and then I record the intro so that everything's fresh with me and I know what we talked about. And I I don't like doing it before in case something, I want to be able to tell you what we talked about. So I today have had my absolute icon, I would say, um, full circle moment for me, Sonia Dove. And if you've listened to the podcast many times, you would know that I talk about all the time, my moment at the Behind the Chair show when I saw Sonia on stage and I have cried. She has cried. We've, uh, we've had a cry and I'm feeling it right now while I'm recording this that, um, it's sitting there on the edge, you know? So I am feeling a lot of emotions and it's amazing. And I hope that you will hear this episode and it will make you feel something too, because that is her gift. Not only is she an incredibly um, awarded and talented hairdresser, the person is what I think sets her apart. Um, And her authenticity and being very raw and very real, which I've come to learn is not something that came naturally maybe to her. And her confidence has grown as she aged and as she did shows and found herself more. And I think that that's something that is really helpful for people to hear and learn that, you know, it's not always in you to be the person on stage, but it comes with time. And we spoke about the show that not only seems like changed my life, but also changed her life. And I didn't realize that that show was a really pivotal moment for her. To me watching it, maybe I thought, you know, the hairdressers go on on tour with these shows and it's almost like a, a performer, a singer that you, they say this, they sing the same songs every night. And maybe that performance for her was something that she had done before. However, I've since learned through this conversation and you will too, that that was not the case with this one. And this was a really big moment for her. And I would say it packed a mighty punch because it changed the direction of my career and it very much so did hers. So, um, yeah, I think I should just stop while I'm ahead and let you dive in 
all of her accolades and bio and everything will be on my show notes in Instagram, on Spotify, on YouTube, on on everything will be there. But I think you just need to hear the realness and the rawness of this conversation. And I'm so grateful to have had the opportunity to sit down with her. All right. So I'm just popping in now with the one and only Sonia Dove having a wine. I love it as you should be. It's one thing I think we'll both just dive into the realness of this. Coordinating the time zones is not my forte. It's so confusing. So at least it's nighttime for you. You can relax now, I think. Have a wine. I'm in midday in Melbourne. So... Oh, no, you're right. Uh, Time zones. You know, it's not just the time zones, Crystal. It's the fact of we're we're in that transition of um, daylight savings. So they're moving them. I know. You know, that's the thing that's hard. I totally Everyone doesn't do it at the same time. I don't understand. It actually doesn't make sense. So when we were coordinating, you were saying Central America. I'm like, okay, Googling it, coming up. And like, I think it's right. I send it to you. Not right. And I'm like, I think if I just have your city and I'll just put it in my phone at the time I'm thinking, and I'll go to all the clocks on my phone. And then you didn't have daylight savings and we did. And I flew in from Cindy and you're in Mexico and it's just a whole situation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're here now, but it was not easy. So I'm blessed and grateful. Me too. I'm grateful for your time. I think, you know, something that causes me anxiety sometimes is my organization. And I just never like putting that onto other people. So I appreciate that it's worked out and that it's been okay because yeah, it's not maybe my fault. Maybe that's something we can discuss tips for organization for both of us. Oh gosh, I think you can share some with me. (laughs) (laughs) So how I kind of like to start every podcast episode Mm -hmm. is talking about how you got into the industry and how that happened for you. But I thought maybe what I would do, because I don't know how familiar you are with my platform and what I'm trying to do. I, if you would like to hear what I have been trying to do with this, and maybe it will help guide the conversation for us. Absolutely. And do you know what? I'm so glad you said that because one of my questions would have been, I'd love to know about this is perfect. Love it. Okay. Well, we had a a really quick convo before we started recording Mm. and I explained to you my moving to Australia and how I originally am from Toronto, Canada. And I was in lockdown in Melbourne and we were one of the only cities kind of affected by COVID in Australia in the greater Mm -hmm. scheme of things. We had quite a long lockdown and I have been in Australia on visas the whole time, which means I am sponsored. So the only way I am able to work is for the company who has sponsored me. So if the salon that I work in is the only way I can work here. Now, when lockdown happened, I was stood down. And that means for me, no pay, no hours, no nothing. So I don't qualify for the relief that everybody else got. And unfortunately, at the time that all of that was announced, there was also no flights home. So I was here, <laughs> which is great. And, wow. you know, I have a beautiful partner in life here, but I had to, you know, I had some self-pity, <laughs> pity party, I'd yeah, say. Yes, Maybe a 24-hour yeah. turnaround of what am I going to do? And I got stood down about twice. So although Melbourne was maybe up and running and salons were open, because I was on a visa, 
I was able to be mm. kind of stood down where the other staff had that yeah. government help. So I just had to find something productive to do with my time. I definitely almost to a fault, I would say, do too much. <laughs> so I couldn't handle sitting at home doing nothing. And I started thinking about what I wanted to do in my career, where I saw myself going and how was I going to make that happen when I've constantly felt a bit stagnant by being sponsored in a way. And I'm so grateful mm -hmm. to have been sponsored and that's how I'm here, mm -hmm. but it doesn't allow you to keep building in your career the no. way it maybe would have at home um, when I can't progress past that job title. I can't work anywhere else yeah. or do anything else. So I yeah. knew that, that was coming to an end and my sponsorship did come to an end in March and just a month ago. And I knew I wanted to work for myself. I knew I wanted to be more independent, enjoy the things that I really enjoyed at home coming from a commission-based salon. So I started thinking I'm going to just start talking to people who have done it, who are salon owners or business owners or anything. I have all these ideas, but I don't know where to begin. So I chatted with my girlfriends and who are all hairdressers. You know, we all, how many, I got about 7,000 hairdressing friends and they all seemed really interested in what I was talking about. And, you know, that's a shock for me. <laughs> they said, oh, I'd love to know what so-and-so says. Tell me how he got in with Evo or, you know, all of these mm -hmm. things, how it happened. So the concept grew and I started recording them as a podcast and it gave me something to do every day. I was sitting down with somebody and at that time, everybody was in lockdown. So it was quite yeah. easy to coordinate times and stuff. And so, yeah, essentially it was research for myself that has now grown and we've been featured in a magazine, which is really cool for me. And I've got so many international guests coming on and I'm just humbled and flattered that people would want to sit down and chat with me and the stuff that I've learned, I've now actually gone out on my own and I'm three, oh. weeks, three weeks deep <laughs> into my own adventure. So it's really exciting, but I now what I really want and what kind of evolved more from being about me for the podcast is I really just am trying to get that feeling that maybe people have of going into hairdressing and feeling like it's not good enough. Your parents aren't proud of you when you say mm. you want to be a hairdresser, the stigma mm. around that and really breaking that down. So I've chatted to some amazing people who go to careers days at high schools and mm you know, get um, almost like an arts trade group going into high schools rather than the universities. Like th there's so many yeah. options yeah. and I really want to inspire and just show all the amazing things. Like you go on a world tour every year, like a rock star. And it's, you get to do that because you're a hairdresser and people don't mm -hmm. think that about us. And I really want to squash that. That's my long-winded ramble of what I'm trying to do <laughs> it's not long-winded okay. it's actually very motivating and extremely inspirational it really is um wow wow I, gosh you've blown me away a little oh, bit stop. with everything no I really mean <laughs> it um uh, I can relate a little bit so I I work in a salon in Los Angeles yes so in the whole of the United States California had yes. the most severe lockdown. Yes. So as far as uh, not being in the salon that much or one minute it's open, one minute it's closed, 
I totally can, we were the worst state in the whole of America. I was following it. I mean, it's hard to keep up with everybody's lockdowns, but definitely that was the one Mm. that I kept seeing everywhere on social media and following other other hair, you know, influencers talking about it. I completely understand. And uh, what I really admire is um, how you're going to, you're, you're on a mission to negate the stigma of like, oh, you're a hairdresser. Exactly. Because hairdressing is incredible. Anything in the beauty industry is such, so rich in opportunities, people cannot see not see it especially it's a generational thing I think it's Mm -hmm. like our parents I mean they want you to be doctors lawyers uh they want you to be all these things but not a hairdresser Mm -hmm. uh I hear that all the time (laughs) yes yes but gosh look how much money can be made look how many lives you can fulfill I've been blessed and grateful that the career that I've chosen beauty, I'm 58 and I've been doing it since I was 18, is it gave me, it's given me a platform to meet the most incredible people in the world, make friends and relationships that there was no other job that could have done it, made me, my heart feel so big and full because there's nothing like that feeling when your guest or client looks in the mirror and she tears up because she knows you have completely made a difference in their life. No one can take that away from you. No. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm a big lover to uh, talk in schools. I like still talking in cosmetology schools. Yeah. In fact, um, on Friday, I did two cosmetology schools um, talks for Weller, uh, two different ones in the United States, and yeah. talking to students that maybe a bit disillusioned with things um for the fact of their parents not wanting them to go into the trade it's very lengthy it takes time Mm -hmm. but it's I like to just motivate people like that now did I always want to be a hairdresser (laughs) no I'm sorry I did not I'm going to be truthful with you yeah um and do you know what I love about you? I have to say something. Yeah, uh, and we did a little bit of pre-talk. Yeah. But I can so tell you're Canadian. When you there's oh. a word that you say out, out, yeah, out. out. Yeah. It is so Canadian. Oh Sorry, gosh, I just had to. I, I think so you're funny. just adorable. Oh, thanks. That's so nice of you. Yeah, you know what's funny? I obviously have lived in all these mismatch houses living here. There's yeah. lots of lots of English and Irish and ever uh, that my yeah. last house yeah. I lived in, anytime I'd say out, they'd say it back. Out, out. Or if my boyfriend's <laughs> in the kitchen, I'm like, get out of here. He goes, out, yeah. get out of here. <laughs> No, it's an adorable accent. I'm glad you still think Canadian. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you do sound... uh, Being English, a lot of people get Australian and English mixed up. And I could so tell the Australian. But yes, you're absolutely Canadian. (laughs) You really are. That's um, funny. So you want to get into hairdressing. I know a little of your story and... I would love Ooh. to share you to share that of how that changed and how you chose hairdressing and 
maybe the feelings around that did you feel that way towards hairdressing yourself in the beginning like not good enough to pick or no you know what it was hairdressing as a career didn't even come on my radar so um I'm the eldest of uh four four um siblings so um I've got one brother and two sisters and what happened was I had a dream since I was like maybe about 13 that I wanted to be a nutritionist so that's when I was at school that's what I aimed for and and it was tunnel vision of that was it there was no even other thing that I wanted to do and um, when I was at school, you have to take uh, a, something called A-levels and I needed biology as one of them to be a nutritionist. Yeah. So I took it um, two, three times, I failed. And unfortunately for my parents, I was the only one, I failed at every subject I did at school. So I had 10 Fs when I left school and my brother and two sisters, had 10 A's in oh, there's always there's always one there's, there's always one there's always one I so <laughs> so um what happened I signed up to just be a secretary um I was going to be a secretary because I thought if I can learn to type um that will get me into something and give me some leeway of time and I remember someone said to me early on in my career why was it that you wanted to be a nutritionist and I said I just want to make people feel better Mm. so there's a difference between dietitian and nutritionist I'm more into the um if you've got an upset stomach cut some ginger root in hot water and take that rather than going to the pharmacy and take pills and whatever um so they said to me well if you want to make people feel better there's other careers as well and they said what about hairdressing and I thought oh the thought of touching people's dirty hair I'm not really sure no seriously I remember it I was like oh I'm not sure about that (laughs) and um they said but you're going you you're going to make people feel so great and I I went home and I thought about it and I pondered on it for about two weeks and then in our local newspaper in the town that I lived in in Devonshire England yeah there was they list all of the um places that are available in the college and there was one place available for hairdressing so I thought I wonder if that's a sign yeah and I've always been like that that's I'm always that sort of too yeah yeah I'm always that person so I enrolled into hairdressing school on day three my god I was obsessed really obsessed oh my god I couldn't even touch enough hair so I don't know why I did that Ooh, hair. <laughs> yeah yeah well look and, I don't uh, think anybody likes dirty hair so you're not you no, know you no. nobody loves that I don't think no no that's right and I just loved it and loved it and I went to beauty school in England it's very different to the United States uh it's a two-year course yeah and it's Monday to I don't know how it is um, in Canada I did nine to five yeah. Monday to Friday for uh 1500 hours it was based on hours oh, so it was hours. like okay. the same as a school year like September to 
um, got you June or whatever okay got you yeah ours was two years and then what you have to do is when you get your license after your third year then you find a salon that takes you on as an apprentice yes. and that means that you can go and work in the salon but by law you can't touch hair because the client is paying so it's making coffee sweeping yeah. blah 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 for a year so in England if you want to be a hairdresser yeah. three years of your life has gone yeah so it, I find that they're more driven because, because you don't get people you have to work for it and you don't get people falling out yeah. um so and that was that was it and uh yeah and then gosh then I got my um oh the story's the story goes on but uh, that was it really and then um I started doing competitions competition okay. work and all during this time that I went to school I had a boyfriend and he was called Christopher Dove okay <laughs> and he was my boyfriend at the time I was like very young you know like six did 50, you meet 60, in hair school or at the salon no or? no we met uh at uh school at school school oh, wow. and uh, when he, we were he 16 went to school too yeah he did he was ones? actually he, no he was actually going to hair school he was enrolled yeah. and it's him that said to me well if you want to make uh, people feel better yeah. so it was Christopher mm, yeah and then yeah. yes and then so um so we were boyfriend girlfriend and then we got a tiny little salon uh two chairs one shampoo bowl and we had our our own salon for 13 years in England wow. and how long had you been hairdressing before you opened your own salon like you finished hair school and then oh. apprenticed at a salon and when did you feel like it was time to open your own or how did that happen if I may say to any uh listeners um I did the thing that I would not advise uh to anyone um Christopher and I once we finished our one-year apprenticeship he was in we were both in the same town but different salons he was in one salon I was in the other because it wasn't good etiquette to have a boyfriend girlfriend yeah in the same salon and when we finished we opened our got our own first little salon three days later yeah it was the worst mistake talk about mistakes on hair because we're all sassy we're all like oh I've got my license it's easy to open a salon I can cut hair the first haircut I ever did in the salon it was curly hair I'll never forget it she had tight curly hair I, the hair was wet I shampooed my client and I pulled the hair down she wanted a fringe on her eyebrows I pulled it down and I thought that's easy she wants it to her eyebrows so I'm going to cut it to her eyebrows it sprang up to here oh. and I thought oh my gosh and so our first couple of years having our salon was about 80 percent mistakes yeah. pure mistakes but it was a massive surge of growth yeah. because there were so many mistakes yeah. it made us leave come from leaving school feeling I'm a hairdresser yeah. to like 
oh my god I know nothing yeah you know what it's like when you oh, leave school oh, I can feel you can finger wave yeah. Oh, yeah yeah I could wash my hands great <laughs> sterilize but could yeah. I cut a bob no 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 oh my god so yes you feel like having somebody else in those moments though made it easier or worse like that you had somebody maybe who was leading the way and being like come on we can do it or it helped that you had somebody like account to be accountable with because yeah it was easier it was easier when I look back it to that time, we had our salon for, like I said, 13 years. Um, it was easier because days when I was down and I wanted to give in, like yeah. that client with the yeah. curly hair, I literally was going to just throw yeah. the towel in. Uh, the other one brings you up. And I think when I look back on Christopher and my career, all through, um, we were, had our career... Uh, we were married up until I was 38 and he was 39. And then we worked in Weller. And it's only in the last, like, um, I think it's about nine years, maybe, that Christopher, Christopher left Weller and I stayed and we separated our careers. But to be honest, it's always good to have someone to pull you up yeah. when times are bad, I yeah. have to say. Do you know, it's yeah. funny that you've had this conversation. I have always, I have little show notes for myself. And to be honest, oh. I actually never really use them. I just write them. And then like, if I feel like I don't have anything to say, I have them. But I never have nothing ah. to say. I never have nothing to say. But one of these things I wrote, a moment you thought you might never come back from. And I feel like that yeah. might have been one of those. Yeah. Oh, right? yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so that was that salon in England? It was time? in England. It yeah. was in Devonshire. And Devonshire in England is about five hours driving from London. So I'm not talking about that we're in the big city of London. Yeah. We're in farming land, <laughs> farming town. Like and she went little... walking around that little town with that little fringe. <laughs> oh, yes, she did. She did. It was like like oh that. My word. Thank goodness it was the eighties and uh, perms were in, yeah. so everybody was curling their hair anyway. So she sort of blended in a bit. Oh my god, how yes. hysterical! Yeah. Oh gosh. And was that like your dream once you started going to hair school and you said you started doing competitions and stuff? Like, when did your eyes open to the potential of the industry and? you know, being like, I don't want to work for somebody else. I want to have a salon. How did that kind of happen or platform work or any, any of those things? Um, so Christopher was a different personality to myself. Christopher Dove is more visionary. So he's more future thinking goals and everything. So he's very far in future. I'm more every moment at the time I'm more step by step I'm an I'm what they call an analytical creative so what that means is when I go on stage and I do a show I have a plan of everything I'm going to do in my head yeah Christopher could go on stage and he isn't sure what he's going to do. And as the model sits down in front of him, he'll just make it up. Yeah. So they're two types. They're both powerful. 
they're both equally as good as each other but they're just different so um what happened was uh for me having my own salon with christopher to me it was like wow this is cool yeah you know this is great nick um for christopher he wanted to uh travel yeah with hair and the only way you could do that was to be associated with the manufacturer because you as a hairstylist cannot afford to put shows on for an audience they're very costly so we talked about that and as we were talking about that both of us had the same passion for competition work okay so we entered competitions while we had our salon all during those 13 years and we entered so many competitions the first uh seven years of the salon we got nowhere neither of us got even placed in the first five and then one year i remember year number eight um christopher came second and i came third in a competition so we had our models and we thought, oh, wow, this is great. So we entered another competition, drove with the models in the car, because England's small, yeah. not like Australia. <laughs> and we entered another competition. And I came first and he came second. Yeah. Then we did another and we kept the same models. Oh. He kept his, I kept mine. And what happened, we got better and better and better. And then what happened in one year... We won every competition there was in England. Oh my gosh, how cool. So all yeah, so all of a sudden there was this big surge of publicity. Yeah. Local newspapers with the stars of the local. And then the salon, we had big trophies. Back in the day, you had these very huge trophies. Oh my god, amazing. And we had them all over the salon. And uh, I'll never forget it. We got a call from someone. Um, the company was called Cadus. Yep. So I don't know. It's I know them actually. Yes. Okay. You no, know, okay. I was just at the beauty supply before we chatted, and I it's affiliated under the same umbrella with Wella, right? Hundred percent. I know. 100%. And it's smart young lady, Crystal. So Cadus uh, called us up. And they asked us if we would do the hair show for a mini tour in England uh, of six cities. And they were, for us, they're big cities, Liverpool, Manchester, London, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, So we accepted and it was all paid because we were the new stars in England of hairdressing. And we did that tour. We put everything into it, everything into it. And the tour went really well. And little did we know it was Weller that was looking out, looking at us, but they were getting Cadus to try us. So you didn't know that at the time? No, we found out years later. So that you didn't feel nervous or something, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And then and then uh, Weller. Uh, got us to do start doing studio classes in London. Then we started traveling in Europe for Wella. Yeah, doing that. Say you had your salon, the two of you. Did you then have employees at that time? That that's how you were able to go on tour. Because me, I'm like, yeah. how would I go on tour? And uh, or yeah. you know, yeah. if I have a salon. So, so the salon 
gradually got busier you know one client brings in two and so yeah. on and so on so we needed to get someone to answer the telephone instead of us answering it <laughs> and we needed to get an assistant and then um, we got busier we got what happened is because of the publicity we got busy almost too quickly yeah it was just us and then this massive explosion of publicity, smoke lights and mirrors and everything. And it was just like very overwhelming. So we moved to a bigger space and we got more stylists and uh, we ended up, we were like 11 stylists, five assistants, three oh receptionists. Yeah. But it got like that way too quickly. Because you wouldn't know, I mean, maybe you would know, but in my thought, you wouldn't mm. know those business skills yet. You wouldn't know payroll or like all the things I'm navigating now, just on my own, trying to figure it out. It's a lot of, it's very overwhelming. And how would you know how to, yeah, do payroll, yeah. scheduling, taxes, orders, people, all of those things. And dealing with the excitement of wanting to go on the road and yeah. having that be really the main thing that yes. you're really wanting to do. That's why I say it was not a good, looking back, yeah. it was not a good move. What happened is neither of us have any business acumen at all. I don't even know how the Dickens we ran that salon, to be honest <laughs> with you. I really don't know. It yeah. was, it admittedly it was in the 80s so when it's in the 80s it was many years ago it's not like it is nowadays it really is not it's way harder now much yeah. much harder um and it it just sort of happened you know one of the stylists would help us with payroll another stylist would help yeah. us with this christopher's mother would help us an awful lot friends of it and everybody just Helped each other, support you. yeah. Whereas, Whereas nowadays, a hairstylist oh no. coming in, being like, "Oh yeah, I'll do my own payroll." But yeah, like, can you yeah. imagine? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. So yeah, timing was perfect for that to happen. But uh, business, but we didn't really get it that we was not very good at business then. Yeah. We did get it when we got our own salon in the United States. And yeah. then it, it hit us like a train on the head, to be so honest. So what happened with that, I guess? You go okay. from getting on the Wella or Cadis tour. Yes. And then yes. how does it transition to moving to America? America. And so, yeah, so we were, um, we got asked by Wella to do lots of shows. I mean, we were the new stars. There was a gentleman yeah. at the same time doing shows and we did them with him called Patrick Cameron. And Patrick is a huge dear friend of mine. In fact, uh, as a funny note, I was just on the phone with Patrick the other day. Uh, yeah, because he's in New Zealand. Oh. But yeah, he lives between London and New Zealand. He's oh, originally cool. from New Zealand. And um, so we were doing all these shows, Tokyo, London, Russia, uh, Tokyo, oh, not London, way. Russia, um, Berlin, everywhere. It was just amazing and it was back in the day when there was no recession yeah uh, it was in the 80s and life was good um so we traveled a lot and then one day we did a show in paris 
And a husband and wife came up to Christopher and I and said, oh, we love the way you work. We've seen you many, many times. You don't know us, but we're from Dallas, Texas, and we have uh, five salons, no, five hair schools and four salons in Dallas, Texas. Would you ever be interested if we flew you over to Texas uh, to... Uh, do training with all of our staff, with our teachers, set up a curriculum for education and train all our stylists. So um, not permanently, just for like yeah. a week oh. and just travel down just for a week. Yeah. So we said, oh, yeah, that sounds great. Yes, we've never been to America. America. <laughs> Everybody and- has this America complex. <laughs> over here when I first moved here that was my biggest well I have many shockers but one of my shockers was I would get all these clients I worked in quite a fancy salon and they'd be like oh I'm going to New York I'm everybody was going to New York and I was like I don't get it I totally don't get it but I guess when you come overseas New York is the place to be and I actually have a funny New York story for you after but keep going I want to go Oh, oh, I can't, I'm going to remind you. Mm, um, so you worry. <laughs> so we went to we went to Dallas and we went for ten days and did this education, and then um, we left to go back to England, carried on doing our shows, and then the people asked us if we would come back the next year to uh, Dallas, but would we come for two weeks? Yeah, we did. Did the training went home and and does that go through Wella when you do stuff like that at that point or it was just you and him and they book you as a as an account or yes it it did not go through Wella they were two people in an audience that yes no it didn't go through Wella they organized I just always find it interesting because I think sometimes you think you're right if I sign with a brand that's all I'm able to do or something you know so it's it's important I think to hear that yeah you know um being with a brand is definitely the way to get a name yeah to get a name yourself is harder and less you do very well on social media Mm. social media this is a whole different marketing world. Yeah. So if you do but well you in the world, of, then. yeah, no, you didn't. There was no, yeah, no, absolutely no such thing. So I'm a big believer of being affiliated with a brand. Yeah. But then at the end of the day, if something comes along, and so we're with Weller. Now these people have Weller in their salons. Of course, and, yeah. Yep. Because you see, they were at a Weller show in Paris. That's how they found you. Yep. Cool. So now, if they'd have, if we'd have gone into a salon in Texas and they'd be using, let's say, a competitive brand, Goldwell L'Oreal, yeah. uh, it might have not been so good. Yeah. It wouldn't be you. fair. It wouldn't yep. be fair. You've got to play it right. Yeah. You've got to play it right. Um, and so, one of the, and then, that couple said to us, if we did your green card, would you ever consider being our creative directors for the company and being permanently in Dallas, Texas? So we spoke with our family, both of us and everything. And our family said to us, this is an opportunity you could not miss. We spoke to all our staff 
And what happened is Christopher's mother ran the salon business-wise. Wow. Business-wise. She's not a hairdresser, but she ran it while we did this year, this year in Texas. My year in Australia. (laughs) Well, we never went back. Yeah. Oh, my God. We never went back. We never went back. Because we didn't want to, or did you have that pull to go home after and it just kept getting stretched or how how did you go about that the only pull to go home was people and family yeah there was no pull to go home for the weather the economy Mm -hmm. the lifestyle nothing it was purely family purely family so uh we said to our family and they said you know what we'll come and visit you and they visit visited a lot Everything else about England, I love England dearly, yeah. but, oh, it's hard work. I know. It's hard work. <laughs> I hear the that. The sun doesn't shine. Yeah, everybody here. And my partner's actually Irish. And oh. <laughs> that's a whole other wow. can of worms. <laughs> but wow. that I, I feel it a lot being overseas as a Canadian versus all of my kind of friends that I met when I was backpacking. And I did that for quite a while over here. They were all English, Irish, Scottish, and said the same thing that you said being in Australia, because they all wanted to stay. And I was like, Oh, no, I'm going home (laughs) every year. going home. And I said the lifestyle, the pay in terms of hairdressing, all of the everything is comparable between Canada and here. Whereas for them in the UK or anywhere kind of like that, it was so much better here. So you felt the same way. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. Um, I don't think I could ever have been to the level I'm at if I'd have stayed in England. Yeah. There's something England, America, like if you're doing well, America pushes you to do better. Yeah. If you're doing really well in England, you have to downplay how well you're doing uh, and sort of keep it a little bit like be more. you're not doing that well. Yeah. But even if you are, you have to play it down. Which is it's, so interesting it's, because there's so many English hairdressers that are well-known and platform, you know, like a lot of people that I talk with. Are yeah, there are. Yeah. There are, but that's why... As a nation, the English are humble. Mm. They're quite humble because you play it down. Yeah. We're so used to playing it down. And it's a generational thing. It's yeah. getting better. It's getting better. I'm talking about, you know, the 80s and 90s yeah. then. But um, and family would come often. I mean, yeah. oh my God, to come to America. They would it, have been as excited as you were oh. to get that initial opportunity to come see you. We had so much family, friends, relatives coming. It didn't even seem like we didn't see anyone for the for, for a year, like at least 10 years. Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah, so we lived in Texas. Oh, my God. So, that would have been a culture shock too, wouldn't it? Have? Yeah. Oh, yes. The Going bigger the hair, the closer Texas. to God. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It was so, and blondes, 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 blondes. Yes. 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 And um, so we were working with this uh, couple's company. Uh, it was called Shelton's Salons. They were the name of the salons. They're huge Intercroffia members. Yeah. In fact, John Donato mm-hmm. is a good friend of theirs. 
interesting. Yeah, yeah. So they be. Oh yes, yes, and um, they are massive into coffee people. They take uh, they take probably about uh, twenty five stylists each time to every intercoffee the spring and then they fall and and they still do know about intercoffee before you move to america and maybe if you don't mind because i think it's something that's so normal to me because i was born and bred in a salon that was so affiliated people over here don't really know what that is so maybe give a little yes so um intercoffee i had heard of it And so had Christopher in England. We'd heard of it because traveling Europe, it was very strong in Europe and England. Intercoffee was a big deal. Yeah. Uh, In the United States, um, we hadn't even thought to belong to Intercoffee. We were Intercoffee members in England. Okay. So in the United States, we didn't think to belong to it because Shelton and Linda the couple that owned the places yeah. in Texas, they were already into coffee members. But what um, I like to belong to bodies of uh, like organizations of hairdressing, because I think power is in numbers. I think um, it's really great that we learn off each other. I love talking to anyone within any um, association because it's like like attracts like. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It totally. really is. You talk, you talk the same talk as me. Da, 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 da. No, yeah. I love all, all of that. Um, I think Intercoffee is a great place for um, salon owners. I think if you're not a salon owner, um, it's and you're working for someone, it's more difficult. Yeah. The rules, the rules and the regulations have changed a little bit. But um, Candy Shaw's huge Intercoffee member. Um, Sharon and what Blaine's is it been... for, for people here? Like, what is Intercoffee? Intercoffee is an organization that um, is salon owners or chain salon owners. So if you've got more than one salon and it's a group of people that you can chat with other people within your country, um, like within the United States or within Australia, and you can say, hey, I've got this idea, or a staff member is doing this, what's your thoughts? Like a bouncing board. Would it be like, say, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, the Facebook groups now? Like, obviously, I know it's more prestigious, and th- but yeah. I write yes. in my Facebook yeah. groups all the time, hey, what yeah. um, booking system do you use? Do you, does anybody have an accountant for salon yeah. management or whatever? Would it yeah. be like that? But yes, more, more it would be. It's, more it's a way. I know. Yes, it's, it's a way. And Facebook group. But. So, but no, but it, that's a great analogy. Yeah. That's a great analogy. Yes, because it's a bouncing board and it's, it's like, so you don't feel lonely having yeah. a salon. And you're faced with stylists and clients and all these things like business things. Sometimes it's very lonely and it's nice to be able to speak to someone. So it's it's a way of talking to other people. Not only that, Intercoffure always have two shows a year. They have a spring 
and they have a fall. So it's a way of um, like taking your staff or just going yourself and having a nice, inspirational, motivational weekend Mm -hmm. and talk to people that have just got the same problems that you've got. You know, that's, and I, I like it because it's it's more of a high end yeah place definitely definitely it's um and there's nothing wrong with facebook or instagram any facebook groups i just feel that it's very important to belong to facebook groups intercoffiers we have in america the pba the professional beauty association yeah there's another great one yeah. you know there's many there's many yeah. important very important I think personally I'd say intercoffer was the most prestigious one that I yeah. you know like yeah. for me going to those events at 17 yeah. like I probably yeah. shouldn't have even been invited to those events but I was really lucky and John yeah. um I I was a little bit of the favorite I would say sometimes and I got oh. to go, I got to go to a lot of those and I was really fortunate. And actually, do you want, want to know? We'll go off track a little, but my New York story was. Yes, I, tell me, tell me. I got asked. So I, I'll, I'm just going to dive in here. So I yes. saw you at the Behind the Chair show. This was before my New York story. And right. you, I wrote this in my email to you, but you were yeah. my aha moment. My, this is it. This is I was, I probably was not even on the floor yet when I went, it was in New Orleans and you did the show with circle panels and the flip. Like I remember it. I remember it. Like it gives me goosebumps. I could, I'll never forget it, but I was probably 18 or 19. I'd been hairdressing. I probably had one more year maybe of my apprenticeship. And I felt I went to that and my best friend is it. One of my best friends is a hairdresser and the other girls thought it was amazing, but it hit me in a different way. I was weeping at it like it was just the most moving thing it was I I watched you (laughs) I watched you and I was like this is it like this is what I'm supposed to do because I knew that being behind the chair would never fill me enough not not fill me enough but I knew I could do bigger I knew I could make an impact more so than say just doing hair which is exactly what I'm trying to eliminate but I watched you being like I'm going to get up there. How am I going to get up there and do that? Because I can do that. And you were so raw and so vulnerable and so real. And I think at that time, I wouldn't have known that that's my skill or my strength. But I think now as a adult, Mm. I, you know, that's my gift too, is speaking and talking to people. And so anyway, I had that moment with you. I went back on the floor, Mm. all these things. I continued in the salon. John asked me, I was on the floor. It was my first year being on the floor by myself. And I remember he pulled me into the back hallway. The salon, have you ever been in our salon in Toronto? Yes, I have. Yes. Like it's It's huge. huge. It's outrageous. It's huge. So there's this back hallway between the call center and the staff room. And he said, yes. And John, you never know what you're going to get with John. I think he would say with me saying this, you never know what you're going to get. So he said to me, Crystal, come over here, you know, and takes me into the back hallway. And he said, I have an opportunity. You know, it's very stern. I have an opportunity for to go to New York and for intercoffier. And I was wondering if you would like to come and be the lead colorist on the job. And I was like, just me by myself. Like I thought he was joking, you know, like just me alone on my own. He said, yeah, yeah. Like just come, like you get to come, I'll fly you to New York. This was the first thing that I 
got to do like I went to New Orleans and did the show went to the show there but this was mm-hmm. my first thing I couldn't believe it you know and that's this, big crystal it was a huge that's deal big. it was massive it was outrageous so I show up to New York and because we were a Wella associated I was in the Wella room and you won't remember it but you with you and Guy Tang I think was around two or something <gasps> And you yes. were on this side and I was yes. on this side. And there was a little wall down the middle. And there was a oh whole room of color in New York. And I remember like just dying. I When I saw the room and it was your name and my name, I was like a night, I, I would have been 20, maybe not even. I'd never done anything. And you were there. And I, w- I remember, I, I just, I can't even articulate though, you know, like, Oh, I'm prepping my models in the same room as Sonia Dub, who was, you know, you were this, you are this icon uh, me of who made me want to do that. And I wasn't on stage doing anything. I was prepping. I was doing level five Demi rinses on John's male models who were getting a skin fade, but <laughs> it still was amazing. I did one model. Wow. It was a scalp lightener and I toned her silver. It probably took me 12 hours. I remember him coming in and being like, are you done yet? Like, are you done? Yet? Oh no. my God. That's so no. John. I was so nervous that I was going to either fry the model's hair or uh, was like, you know, I, I didn't know I would be okay probably, but I was dying. And then, you know, yeah, it's scary. It's scary to be involved in shows. It's not everybody's cup of tea. Yeah, it, really it was isn't. my first wow. that. But I was there. Wow. With you. Yeah, there with you. What an amazing story. So was that when we, when, were you, when you said you were prepping, was it the prep room at the Waldorf Astoria? Yep. yep. Or was it the Weller Studio? No, no. Waldorf Astoria. Yeah. You know what? I remember so funny look I remember I just remember being like is this happening like it would have been maybe a year after the behind the chair show or something around you know yeah did John keep coming in all the time and um, coming in (laughs) because I remember because I remember yeah I you know I remember something because I love John dearly but he's stern He's, he's dead. scary, man. He's, he's scary. dead. He's and scary I, but imagine- I was wondering, is he like watching over me? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I remember that. I remember so that. Funny. Oh my God, it was I'm you. I'm glad he was me. watching over you. <laughs> it was me. No, it was me. Wow. So I wow. started my career with John and I am forever grateful to him. And I, I yeah. he gave me any and every opportunity and Mm. I would have never he opened my eyes to all of those things like to me his salon was as big as it got do you know what I mean oh it's huge I didn't know I didn't know anything more but I knew when I I always wanted to be a hairdresser and I knew if I was going to work somewhere it was going to be there so I started Uh. as a receptionist and I worked as one of 10 receptionists for him when I was in high school Oh my gosh. Yeah. You have to write a book one day. You've got to, you've got to write a book because you're, it's so inspiring. Like how you've done things, your life. Gosh. Like I, I, well, you know what it is. You don't feel it about yourself probably. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like I think you would be the same way. hundred percent. No, hundred percent. And, um, it's funny because that show that you said about, yeah. uh, like, so, so just a 
a yeah. fast forward thing of Dallas. So uh, we were working, uh, doing our thing. We were there for six years in Dallas, Texas. And then Weller, um, doing shows for Weller at the same time. Yeah. So doing the same thing, working in the salons and teaching for this couple in Dallas uh, and then doing Weller stuff. And then we did a big show for, it was called Elizabeth Arden, Red Door Salons and Spas. Yeah. They were all L'Oreal. And we were, Christopher and I were the main show to convert them to Weller from L'Oreal. So we did that show uh, in New York and it went very, very well and everything. And then the CEO of um, Elizabeth Arden called Christopher and myself up and asked if we would be interested in moving to New York to be creative directors for Elizabeth Arden Red Door Salons and Spas. So we moved to New York, left Texas, said goodbye to everyone there and worked in New York. And we were there for two years as creative directors for Elizabeth Arden. That was really good fun. It was really, really good fun. New York. (laughs) New York. Yeah. But every winter it was like, oh. Uh, And then all of a sudden, Weller bought a new company called Sebastian. Yeah. And Weller bought Sebastian and they were in California. Ah. So Weller was uh, Weller was on the East Coast before. So Christopher and I were flying all the time to Weller on the West Coast. Yeah. We thought this is crazy. Why we're spending we living all the time. Yeah. yeah. And so we moved to LA. And that's how that happened. And that's so probably said, happy medium. You get the city, you get the better oh yeah. weather, you get the... Oh, the better weather. Oh, did our family visit us then? Oh, <laughs> my much. gosh. They were <laughs> too much. Say, no flights today, no flights today. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They <laughs> were visiting <laughs> California, Hollywood, Los Angeles, yeah. Santa Monica. Oh, yeah. my God, amazing. And, um, and then Christopher and I opened our own salon there. Yeah. Oh, what no. a mistake. No. Really? Uh, yeah. How come? Yeah. How come? Personally or business-wise? Not, not business. No. It was, yeah. again, we didn't learn the first time. We yeah. didn't learn the first time at all. And um, we opened a salon, and it was a big salon, right in the middle of Santa Monica. Beautiful salon. We spent all our savings on the salon. And we had no clients um, because we were traveling. And uh, we we started to get staff. It got busier. It got busier and everything. But, oh, running a salon in California was hard. And um, neither of us really liked it. And then during during this time, when we had the salon, Christopher decided that he didn't want to be affiliated with um, Weller anymore. And it was pure, it was, wasn't anything went bad. Yeah. What it was, he was uh, dating someone that he was going to marry and it was the head of Goldwell. It was John Simpson from Goldwell. Yeah. And uh, it was, two of you can't be working for yeah. different manufacturers. It's, it's just not yeah. right. Uh, so he left and it left me at Weller and Christopher went to do his own thing. Yeah. So when I got at, so I was single Sonia Dove and yeah. boy, was I frightened. 
I was so don't frightened. Don't think it's like an identity crisis almost? Like, oh I my don't gosh. Know, you don't know who you yeah. are without that Abs- person? Absolutely. Are they going to like me for me or my uh, okay. It, absolutely. And I got asked to do the New Orleans show five times by Wella yeah. and Mary Rector Gable uh, from BTC. And I had Wella coming at me. Please do it. We'll support you. Mary at me, BTC, please. And I said, no, Christopher Dove was the show person. I don't do shows. That's yeah. not my gig. And then I gave in. And I had great support from Wella. They didn't even tell me anything that I needed to do. They said, Sonia, do whatever you want. They didn't even say, you have to use this, you have to use that, because normally you you do. It's whatever you want and do whatever you want. And I put every little ounce of energy that I had in my body on that show. And I did a show on all my favorite things in my life jellyfish i know food, i can quote it all too music, there was oranges and jellyfish oranges, burning yeah. man and burning I, man <laughs> i know i tears i the fact I that you that it hit me that that show hit me it was it was literally <laughs> nothing to do with hair and te- well techniques yeah. and things I just thought the only way I can get through this show mm-hmm. is to do a show on everything I enjoy yeah that's the only thing that's going to get me on that stage and I tell you what I just never forget it as long so as I live that was that that show. was crystal yeah in all my life if I can say one thing that makes yeah it makes me cry (laughs) I felt so blessed and grateful I as soon as I put my feet on stage yeah I'll never forget the silence of energy that I had from everybody at that moment everybody was mesmerized it was this magical moment it was so raw it was what was so special it wasn't just weller people yeah it was all people gold l'oreal yeah everybody all my all the peers um beth minardi was on after me yeah I remember. it was her and it was ian michael black it was all of these everybody. people that i look at like amazing people uh-huh. they were coming up to me and do you know I still haven't come down from that show? How incredible. And there was never a moment before that, and there has not been a moment since, but that was an absolute game changer. Goosebumps. Yep. Game I remember changer. you bawling. I remember you crying on the stage. And that was what got me. I mean, I, I cry anyway at stuff like yeah, any, sure. anything. Yeah. Do you know what is the main thing I cry I like at? that. The main thing I cry at is like American Idol auditions or something. When someone gets like the golden buzzer or a standing ovation, I cannot handle that. I cannot handle when somebody has worked so hard to do something and been so brave to go out and do it and everybody goes wild and the whole crowd stood up. I don't think I stood down the whole, I think I stood the whole time you were presenting. I remember the seat I was in. I remember being horrifically hungover from Bourbon Street. (laughs) And do you know 
what? On my wall, this is from Bourbon Street from that show. I brought this home from Curtis oh. because it changed. I'm not kidding you. It changed. I knew that this was the weekend that I knew it was going to be different for me. Wow. And that's actually a that's little sick. painting from Bourbon Street. But oh, that's my, so cool. friends, my friends that whole weekend, like that morning, were calling me mm. Pissy Chrissy because I was so hungover. And that is funny. That is so funny. I'm so miserable at that. Like, you know, I was happy to be at the show. But then you came on and I just was like, oh, like it, it was ah. just different. One, it was different. It caught my attention. I wasn't bored. I it was it was amazing. It, how oh, how thank amazing you. both of us. Thank you, yeah. And it really, it really um yeah, it was yeah. an absolute game changer. And the boyfriend that I have now, yeah was it was his first time that he had ever at a show and I had him as a boyfriend and he was at the front he was at the front because he's a photographer yeah and it was risky for me to take him but I thought I want pictures taken of my models it was that naive it was so naive I'll get him to come with me so he can take photographs of my models yeah. Did I think it was going to be a good show? Hell no. Oh my God. I had no idea. Yeah. yeah. That's why I'm, I'm, I remember oh, it's life changing. Yeah. Yeah. It's <sighs> the, the takeaway for me from that, from hearing you talk about that, that show and why it was different, was because you were just authentically yourself. And yeah. that is what I feel like I'm learning from doing this. Pod, you know, I don't really want to be a podcaster, but I want to be somebody who talks to people. I want, I love my career. I love doing hair. I fell into this. Am I the greatest at the editing and all of that? Probably not, but I like this connection part of it. But what it is for me that I think will set me apart and is what sets you apart is I'm just really trying to genuinely just be myself. And that's what people like and that's why people yes. were interested always in and that's always. your takeaway don't you think from that show absolutely and you know what I admire about you you mentioned earlier that um the the time when the salon was closed and you were laid yeah. you know all the yeah. all the trauma what I really admire about you is you just didn't sit at home and get into that downward spiral of poor me mm. you didn't you you yes believe me last year in 2020 I had about five months that I thought my career is over what am I going to do how am I going to pay for this how am I going to pay for that and I had a horrible mm. horrible time and then I realized I'm responsible for me getting lower and lower in my mindset. So what I did every day, I tried not to listen to this tell me, oh, it's over, oh, it's this, oh, it's that. And I set myself a goal and I created a website. I did a website. I've always wanted to do a website, but I didn't have time. Yep. And then the other thing is I just obsessively did as much virtual education as possible, like, like a machine, yeah. because, because I needed to be connected to people like we're yeah. connecting now. Mm -hmm. I needed that because, yeah. and so I just did 
classes, classes, free, 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 still am, because isolation is not what we're it's not what we're about. You can, I can so tell as hairdressers and I can tell your personality, you have to be connected with oh people. My God, yeah. I was driving my boyfriend crazy because he worked the whole time and we had just moved wow. in together. I'm really diving into my life here, but we just moved in together in February wow. and the lockdown happened in March, April. March. Oh. And he worked the whole time and he'd be coming home. And I'd be like, so how was your day? What did you do? Was it amazing? Who did you talk to? What were you doing? <laughs> he'd be like, oh my gosh. Too much. And I was like, I need oh. to find people to talk to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know you're right. Oh my gosh. When that show happened, so you that was your coming out on your own kind of thing. Yeah, and it was. So, it truly was. Yeah. From then, what what changed? Did your schedule get busier did you like what what changed for you from that or yourself well um well I didn't know that I could do it yeah until they gave me the chance uh so I was very blessed uh I got very busy with Wella um let's see what else Jay uh my own self changed because I got more confident yeah I've always struggled with low self-esteem always have done I was like, Candy Shaw is, she's always slapping me around the face saying, hey, and Sharon Blaine. Um, but I, yeah, I struggle with it. So yeah. it helped me with my personality. And then I started to get other opportunities come my way that was like an extension of, um, well, I like, uh, I got approached by the Ulta Beauty Pro team, yeah. uh, by Ulta Beauty to be yeah. this pro team um things happen publicity wise wow yeah, yeah that was the big one I have to say aesthetic American salon modern salon PR I, so, there's no money that could have paid for it wow and so did you then obviously being associated with Wella do they coordinate all of your shows and things or do you did you then have to get somebody like, it sounds like you didn't have to get somebody to get your name or that show or anything in the magazines. They were coming to you at that point. A bit of a combination. Yeah. At that point, it was people coming to me, asking me to do things. And then I would say, I only use Wella because I'm under contract. Yeah. And then I would give that person the name of someone at Wella. Mm. before before the fame let's say yeah it was um always uh well eat and it still is now it's the same I get an email I get an email Sonia are you free May 10th to do a three-hour class in for someone in New York now it's all virtual yeah at the moment but um it would be like they call me, I look at my calendar, I'm available. Yeah. Then they plan it. They coordinate it. Yeah. Uh, I have to find out what the expectation of the audience is. And I put the subject together, mm -hmm. blondes, 
revs, whatever. I put the subject together, but they do all logistics. They always have done. They always did Mm. when it was Christopher and me. They do that for all the artists. But I'll be honest, I know that I know with other companies, it's the same thing. Yeah. And is that something that you found hard then? Say when they're saying, okay, you available this date and you're looking at your calendar. What if you had clients booked in then? Like, would you cancel the clients? And did you find that then hard balancing? Like what, what, right? Like that's hard. The busier, the busier you get, the harder it is. So at the very beginning, the clients are always my bread and butter. The clients, like I'm even going to be brave to say this while we're recording, is I do my clients still all the time in L.A. Those clients will never leave me. They're loyal. Clients are clients. And it's nice money. It really is. And I love my clients. I've been doing the same clients for 20 years. Mm -hmm. Wella could call me tomorrow and say, hey, it's been a great run. We've got... Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Totally. So when I get asked to do jobs and I have clients, I say no to the job. Yeah. And then they either find another date. Yeah. Or so, yeah, no clients before job. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, advice. sometimes, Crystal, you have to say no. Yeah. You just have to say no, you know, and they can't find a date. And you, they book someone else. You can't spread yourself so thin. Yeah. Have you struggled with that? Did you find that in the beginning? Like, I feel like you are somebody who say if Mm -hmm. something that you've said is that you struggled maybe with your confidence, that would come Mm -hmm. in a people pleasing sense as well, that you don't want to say no. Right. Yes. And I can see that that would happen. And I'm seeing that now, you know, I'm not there, but I'm trying to do all these things and I feel like I'm doing them all half. And that's not, I also struggle. That's not good enough for me doing it half, but how, how do you do it all? I've always struggled with it. Yeah. Um, it was re- the worst time in my career was after the BTC show. For about the next uh, two and a half years, mm-hmm. I lost a tremendous amount of weight. I was so busy. I had so much. And I don't want to, this to sound arrogant, but I'm just going to no. say it in a very matter of fact. I had so much money. But I didn't have enough time to go to the toilet. Yeah, it was it was it was that. I think um, when I look back at my career, yeah. I've either had the money and not the time. Yeah, or I've not had the time. And oh wait a second, you've not had, had the money the, and had the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, and at the moment, at the moment, twenty twenty was I had so much time, but I didn't really have the money. Yeah. Yeah, and so I'm going to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. There is no advice that I can give today at this moment because I still struggle to say yeah. no. That's and it's because and real. Yeah. And I I appreciate still struggle, and I appreciate you having a conversation and bringing up the money because that is a huge part of it that I feel like often is like, if you're doing it for the money, it's for the wrong reasons. If you're doing it, if anything's about the money, well, let's be real. I have to eat. I have to put a roof over my head. 
And a huge yeah. issue in the industry is people think we get paid crap money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it, it yeah. isn't the case in so many ways. But, yeah. you know, it, it is something that I'm like, okay, I don't want to always, t- I don't want to talk about that all the time. But I think to a person coming into the industry, a major factor of why they wouldn't mm-hmm. want to be is because they think that it's not financially um, rewarding. Would it, yeah. But it's, you see, I, the, the only way I've learned to balance it and I go in and out, mm. I get really go in and out of this, is I try to give myself some self-love. So it doesn't always work. This week has not been the best week for it to work, but believe it or not, uh, last week and the week before was great. I set myself um, a goal of a little bit of time every week, and I call it Sonia time. Yeah, it's not boyfriend time. Mm. It's not. It's not time for and and it's something for me. And what I do is maybe I have a pedicure. Maybe I go for a walk. I, I like walking. Just me on my own. I heard once that you'd never had a pedicure. <laughs> I know. I know. And I've only just started. I know. I don't. Candy Shaw is the one that, yes, she, I know. I haven't. I had not much. You know, the other thing that I just like to do, and I find, I know. Thank you. Another thing that I really like to do is just to sit quietly and do absolutely nothing. Yeah. And I mean, sit and stare like a zombie and just yeah. stare out yeah. outside to the sky. I'm a big full moon person, nature person. So every day I set myself a Sonia goal, five yeah. minutes, 10 minutes, 20. Yeah. I go in and out. I go in and out. But when I have that Sonia time, it really gets clarity for me in my head. Yeah. Really does, but it's hard. I know. It's hard. I, I appreciate hearing that because I think a lot of times we see people and on stage or, you know, so obviously on social media, it's so put together. So everything is put together. But you learn quickly that it's not, you know? It's absolutely not. It's yeah. absolutely not. And you know what? If anyone says it is, that is wrong. Yeah. It's not it's really not you just have to be good to yourself good to others live a life of compassion I mean I I started off with our personal conversation today wasn't the best day Mm -hmm. that I've had today with a series of things and you shared the same (laughs) all that's done it's made us both realize we're just human a hundred percent it made me feel better that both of us started this Zoom call before I hit record saying, we have had a really crummy day. (laughs) I've had a a weekend of disorganization. And I think that's where the podcasts sometimes ground me in that is being Mm -hmm. like, when I said I had the question for you, like, is there a moment you thought you wouldn't come back from? Was there this monumental thing that you were like, that's it, that's the end of my career? Or, you know, like I... I booked a client on the wrong day last week. That's me, you know, three weeks in and I've booked a client for this Thursday rather than last Thursday. And am I going to lose the client? Is this going to be my life? You know, but it, 
it's true. It you just have to cut yourself some slack, right? Like yeah, you do. You have to cut yourself some slack. And usually, I find with me, um, and usually I find with myself, the time things goes things go wrong yeah. is when I've over overdone myself. I I'm one of these people. I can drive to. I used to drive to work on the phone, putting my makeup on, yeah. doing like, I'm the world's, my boyfriend hates it. I multitask <laughs> like a crazy person. But you know what? It bites me in the butt quite a lot of the time. Like that, I've made so many mistakes. And I, when I look back at why I've made a mistake, it's because I've crammed things in too yeah. tight. Yeah. 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 That's it. Well, I think that that is, you know, I've taken quite a chunk uh, of your time here and it's can, getting very late for oh, you. That's yeah. always <laughs> fine. It's fine. Oh my gosh. Well, I just appreciate this conversation and I think it was really um, powerful for both of us, you know, for me to tell you that moment in my life with you. you oh, know? Yeah, that, that is so lovely. Totally, totally changed it for me and I appreciate it. And it's, it's just so interesting to also hear that that happened to you quite deep into your career that yes. you know it boomed after 20 years or oh, something you yes. know or in, in not yeah. even 30 years yeah that it, it took a long time it did you know what I get asked this is the number one question that I get asked and someone just someone just wrote to me earlier today if I could you give me advice if I wanted to be a Sonia Dove, I get that asked that question. And you know, the number one thing I say, it isn't going to happen overnight. I'm 58 yeah. years old. Yeah. I started when I was 17. And if you're not patient and you're not driven, you won't do it because I'm a very driven person. Yeah. I'm very stubborn and I don't give up easily, but it's taken a long time. You know, it, it's just life it's just yeah. life you know that actually it's it I want to I want to take a picture of you oh yeah uh, let me take a picture of you so I can post it on my social media yes ready yeah perfect because I want to post on my story oh my god you're so cute thank you yeah and I'll tag you thanks love it well I just yeah I really appreciate your time what you're doing you. who you are all of all Aww. of the things so I, thank you for taking the time to thank you me. I hope they don't get too repetitive for you and yeah I just no. never you're yeah. adorable I honestly it's so I can see your future clearer than you can see your you are honestly I think this whole COVID time for you last year has sparked you on a whole different journey yeah I you're going to see it. it you're going to see it anyway in a, in a couple oh, of years so time incredible. when you look back whereas at the moment it's like you you're in a movie it's like yeah. you're acting in a movie now when you start to watch your movie in a year's time you'll realize this is your destiny oh my gosh that's so beautiful Thank yeah you. no you will you'll see I can see it see it and I will be reading the book because I'm positive I will write it I will write it for you I'll put it in the notes right now well that's where we'll leave it my book coming soon yes. that's <laughs> love it love it oh thank you so much thank you, thank you.
Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Successful Stylist Unfoiled. Don't forget to follow, like, and subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube to get all the notifications of our weekly episodes. 